Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. All right. Everybody look at my baby and say, aww. <laughs> um, I, was just, um, I was just in worship and I don't know about you, but that was a beautiful, precious moment in worship, right? Um, the thing about like worship is that we're, we're entering into God's presence. You know, the Bible says that we enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise, okay? Um, so when we're praising Him, when we're thanking Him, when we're keeping our eyes on Him, we're actually entering into His presence. So we're actually encountering heaven. Everybody say heaven. And so a lot of, this, is, this, this message is there is more part four, because this is the fourth week, I think. Um, but we continue in this series about how there is so much more to this life and to this world than we even realize. And today I want to talk about um, eternity, talk about heaven, being motivated by things that go beyond our life. And I was just in worship thinking, wow, God, you've already done, I feel like he did what I wanted to do through the word in the spirit. So like there's some stuff that's probably been unlocked in our hearts that we don't even know yet, but I pray that maybe the, the word that's brought today will put a bit of language to it so you can live it out. But I was just thinking about like this little baby. This little baby poops on us, vomits on us, keeps us up through the night. And um, if he was 30 years old, that would be very annoying. <laughs> but the reality is he's still only five weeks old. So it's socially acceptable to poo on people at five weeks old, I guess. But I was just thinking about this guy costs us so much. You know, he costs us nappies. He costs us, you know, our hygiene, all sorts of things, our sleep. And yet we're willing to pay the sacrifice. And there's something innate in, in um, just the nature of, of the world and humanity that says that one, as one generation uh, dies, the next one goes forward. And there's something like generational to life. So, you know, like you think about a seed in the forest. Um, some seeds must be burnt up to release the seed um, so it can be germinated and a new tree can come to life. And, you know, if I stuck, one day I'm going to be dead and this kid's going to be alive. And along with my death, <laughs> in heaven, I'll be in heaven. But um, along, with, along with me dying goes maybe my my old ideologies and maybe my bad habits, and this little boy gets to move forward. He gets to stand on my shoulders and move forward and continue advancing the kingdom, you know? And so he gets to continue the legacy. Now, I think the reason, we don't even realize it, the reason we're so okay with people pooping on us is because we know the children are the future. The next generation is the future, that life keeps going beyond us, that it doesn't stop with us. And we do now live in a very self-centered society where, where, where we're more about trying to celebrate self and um, gratify our own flesh. And I think we've forgotten maybe the conservative value of leaving a legacy, living a life for others. You know, Jesus talks, it was constantly talking about, you know, if someone takes your coat, give them another. Like it was a life about, it was a, Jesus called us to live a life for others. And it's a life beyond our own life. And so I, I was just thinking about this little boy, and I'm like, wow, like, I really am living a life beyond my own life when we clean his poop. That is all. All right, thanks for listening to today's preach. <laughs> now we're going to continue to worship. <laughs> I was thinking, man, we could just keep pressing into the presence of God, because 
When, we, when we're hanging on to, when, when we're in the presence of God and we're anchored to His Word, we're anchored to heaven, you'll do things that you'd never thought you would possibly do, right? Like, I'm willing to change this gross pooey nappy. And before that, I don't, I don't even like to talk about poo. I don't even like, I don't, like, I'll leave the room if someone is going to the toilet so that way there's no chance I can hear the farts and all the gross stuff going on. And now I'm just so okay with this kid and his mess. And it's funny that, like, in a similar way, we can be anchored to God's Word and we can be anchored to the reality that there is more after this life, that there is a heavenly promise, that there is an eternal reality, and we can actually bear a cross that you never thought you could bear. And there is a cross that God has called us to bear. Think about it like this, right? How many weeks till Christmas? Any Christmas fanatics in the room? What, how, many, how many weeks do you guys reckon? Maybe say there's, there's 52 weeks in a year. It's about halfway through the year. Say around 25, 24 weeks. Are we halfway through the year? Not yet. Okay, let's say 30 weeks left till Christmas. There's obviously no one in here that crazy that's counting down Christmas just yet. But it starts to happen like somewhere around August, September. And um, you might be having like a sucky week or you might be like really struggling with work that year. But you're like, Christmas is only this many weeks away. And you just can't wait. Or maybe your holidays are only this many weeks away. Let me tell you something. Jesus said he is coming back and he's coming back again soon. And when he comes back, he's going to take us to be where he is. And it talks about in the Bible, we're going to enter into heaven, like heaven, heaven. And it's going to start off with this killer 1,000-year party. This 1,000-year party includes food and drinks, all completely inclusive. It's got the best music you could ever. You know, the Bible talks about how heaven will be a place of worship. If you think worship on earth is amazing, you go to like Hillsong Conference or type in Maverick City on YouTube and you're just enjoying the presence of God. Like heaven is next level. The Bible also talks about how the, the, the heaven, heaven's streets are paved with gold. And you know how you see um, the gates of heaven depicted as pearly gates. The Bible literally says it's made of one big fat giant pearl. So we're talking about the most insane, over-the-top place you could ever imagine. Like if you've been to some of the, the hotels in Sydney or if you've ever been to like Dubai, you see like the crazy, massive, excessive hotels there. Heaven is next level. And I, I hope today's word, the message, opens up our eyes to the, the heavenly reality and the eternal context of the life we live today. Because when you can look forward to that, you'll do anything today. Like, you'll pay whatever price. In fact, that's what Jesus did. You know, the, the, the scripture goes, it's somewhere in here in my notes. I think it's in Romans. No, Hebrews. That's right. And um, here it is. Hebrews chapter 12. You maybe write this one down because this is beautiful, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says this from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So sin is anything that's not of faith, anything that was not destined for us by God. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for who the, jo who, for who the joy set before him, he endured the cross." So it talks about even Jesus was motivated by something. He was motivated by a joy. And what was that joy? 
The joy was the hope of seeing his brothers and sisters restored, the father's children reconciled to the father. His motivation was you. And then you know what he says? He actually gives us a motivation. He talks to us, he, sa- he says in, in, through the Gospels, he talks about how he prepares a place for us in heaven. And it says in, I believe it's John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, right? So this is, hear this when you're being persecuted. Hear this when you're going through a tough time. Hear this when you're being rejected or when you're uh, being trotted on. Hear this when you're being overlooked. Hear this when the cross to carry feels just too much. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he's, he's talking to his disciples and he's trying to, he's explaining, hear me now. Hear this truth. This is the truth. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And it's like Jesus, in, in red writing in your Bible, Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. It wouldn't be so if I, told, if I, if I did tell you. Tell you. <laughs> it, yes. So when Jesus says something, he means it. And so heaven isn't just a concept. Heaven isn't just an idea. And it's not, heaven is more than just seeing heaven on earth. As an apostolic people, God has called us to see heaven brought on earth, heavenly culture on earth, that we can see families restored, people healed, all sorts of incredible things. But Jesus is is giving us this motivation. And he says, guess what? You're going to bear a lot here. He even talks about how we're like lambs to the slaughter. You know, and, and th- th- there are wolves that will come and try and attack us. But the, the reality is there's a far greater motivation. There's something that can fuel you. And it's this, that even in your death, there is a resurrection. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection. I, I think about, I, I love chili, uh, like chili, chilies, like spicy chilies. Um, and chilies are amazing. And there's something really cool about a chili plant, right? You, you can... You can like use up all the chilies on a plant and then go through a season when it's drying up and it's dying and it's shriveling. Oh, chili, is this Tim Haynes? Who's this one from? David and Fung. Thank you very much. So many illustrations. This is how you know you're in line with the Spirit. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, let's keep going. What else do you have for us? Um, so here's the thing, right? These chilies, they're, they're like... Again, this is like we can learn so much from nature. The way that a chili plant works is that you can take off all the chilies, and in fact, all the chilies can drop from a chili plant, and the chili plant can literally look dead, like a twig. But what happens to a chili plant is that after a while, it, t- it goes through a process called uh, turning to seed. And so that, that, that chili plant essentially dies and is reborn. In the same way, Jesus died so that we would be resurrected. In fact, he also resurrected. The Bible says that if we can be joined with him in his death, we'll also join with him in his resurrection. Chilies. Now what I'm going to do is going to see how many of these chilies I can eat. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> We're talking this morning about, um, it's, not, it's got nothing to do with the preach, so maybe I shouldn't go on to it. But just Tim Haynes gave us some chilies, my family some chilies. Tim Haynes grows some um, chilies as well. It seems like people have stopped tithing and offering and people are giving chilies to mom and dad now. So awesome. We don't mind. It's good. Certified. Um, So chilies. Tim Haynes gave some chilies. And 
we're, what are they? Caroline Peppers or something? Something like that, or Ghost Reapers, or I don't know, whatever it is. And we're used to eating chilies with our dinner, and so I kind of, mum and dad always cut up some chilies. Dad didn't tell me these were Tim's chilies. Tim's chilies are crazy hot. Like, you're not mentally... Anyway, you'd have to be crazy to eat these chilies, is what I'm saying. And so, but I'm, I'm chopping up these... Dad chopped up the chilies, and I poured them on my um, food, thinking they're just normal chilies. And the, whole, the rest of the night was just ruined. I was in the, the kitchen the whole time, drinking milk. It just didn't... Anyway, what's God trying to say there? Let the Lord burn in you until you can't keep... Nah, all right, let's continue. Okay, so we're motivated by heaven. Like I said, this... this, this my, I mean, my child, he, he, he's taught me and he's still teaching me because I'm... I'm I'm holding on to my old life for dear life, and I miss, you know, unbroken sleep, but now I've got a broken sleep. I miss, you know, not having to deal with, you know, changing my shirt every couple of hours because of the vomit and stuff like that. But it's just what i got to deal with. Why? Because he's worth it, okay? And there are things that are worth it. The, the eternal context of the life that we live is actually worth it. There is more. Everybody say, there is more. I think about Sydney. You know, we've gone through, I mean, Australia's been around for 200, it was 1788 was first settlement, uh, British first settlement, and 1788, 1988 plus, so it's like 250 years-ish, yeah, is that all right, maths? Um, 240, something like that, and can we chuck up, we got like some old school photos of Sydney, so this is like Sydney in like 1788, around that time, you know, and then you can skip forward about 100 years to the 1900s in the next photo, and then again, you skip forward to maybe like 1950s, and then you skip forward to today, and it's like unrecognizable. And I've, I, I actually uncovered a photo of Sydney in the 2100s. If we can put that one up. I'm joking. <laughs> Come on, guys. And, but here's the thing, right? Where we get to build on what people have fought for, okay? We... Um, I think I got it written here somewhere nicely. We are a product of generations worth of investment. Okay? I'm talking like taxes. I'm talking like parental sacrifices, grandparental sacrifices, great-grandparents, technological advancements, uh, theological discoveries and revelations. Like we're growing. As a church, we're growing and maturing all the more until Jesus comes back. Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. We're going to continue changing. This world is going to continue changing. And, um, and it's because of people that are now long gone choosing to invest in something beyond themselves. And I think something that we have bought into as Christians, maybe as the church, is that we buy into the idea that receiving Jesus can bless my life today, and it can. But sometimes we're motivated to receive Jesus for what he can give us today. Everything about who Jesus was, was to shed light on a people or on a humanity that could exist beyond themselves. Jesus showed us that love counts the most when it's hardest to give. He showed us, he loved us first so that we would even know love, okay? So we see, we see him laying down his life so that we could live. We see him giving of himself and sacrificing and taking on, you know, persecution and rejection so that we would be received by our heavenly father. And so, but the, the reason he could do this is because he was so aware of the next life. He was so aware of the future. He was motivated by something more, 
and there is more. And God has called us to be motivated by more than what we'll see here. Because let me tell you something. We, we don't know how much we can bring of heaven on earth. And we'd rather not limit how much we know we could bring of heaven on earth, okay? What am I saying? Like, God said, Jesus has taught us to be an apostolic people that advance his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're talking about, like, miracles, signs, and wonders. We're talking about peace. We're talking about unity. We're talking about, like, you know, just, just absolute revival. You know, when we talk revival, revival isn't just meetings in a church building every day of the week. Uh, in fact, I don't think it is that. I think revival is us waking up to who He is. The whole world waking up to he, who He is. And you start to see communities change. You start to see the crime rate dropping, like all sorts of incredible things. That's heaven on earth. There's no crime in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no hate in heaven. There's no unforgiveness in heaven. And so we believe in seeing um, heaven brought here on earth, okay? The reality is there will be people that reject Jesus. That's just what it is. And everyone has a free will. So there will be things that you encounter because of the disobedience of others that you don't get to control. And that's where you get to have the opportunity to bear the cross. You bear the suffering in honor of Him. You bring Him glory. And we're going to look at the story of Stephen briefly. And um, Stephen is, is a man, spoiler alert, who loved Jesus, followed Jesus, and got killed for his faith. But he maintained his integrity he maintained his character. His character was uncompromised right till the very end. And let me tell you something. When you bear your cross and your character is uncompromised, that is like the ultimate light that you can ever carry. A person that goes through stuff but maintains their light, that's what, that's what it, when you maintain your character and you're going through things, that's what it means to live a crucified life and bear your light. That's what will lead people to him. So what, where, where can we go from here? I was thinking as well, uh, being Anzac Day today, um, the Anzacs, had, they were anchored to something to be willing to give up their life. Um, they had a, a greater cause than themselves, okay? And what were they anchored to? They were anchored to peace. They were anchored um, to seeing the generations to come live in a free country. And they, they, they were anchored to those ideas to the point of being willing to give up their own lives. That's just... That, that is a, a natural humanistic uh, uh, motivation to just, you know, preserve our country, preserve ourselves. It's just normal, okay? And, and it's a normal, it's, a, it's an easy motivation. But there is a far greater motivation that we have. We, we want to see people uh, saved from the snare of evil and sin and brought into the arms of the Father. We want to see them rescued from hell and brought to heaven. There is like, there is an emergency. There is an emergency, and God has chosen us to save people, to be his hands and feet, to be the light of the world. Remember, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so, what's our motivation? We want to see people saved. What's our motivation? We have a loving Father in heaven who awaits us, who will say, well done, good and faithful servants. And, and Galatians, I think it's Galatians 6, 9, reminds us and it says, um, do not grow weary in doing good for in the right uh, time you will reap a harvest. Here's the key. If, everybody say if. if. This is the key. If you do not give up. I wonder how much we miss out on because we hold on to our old life or we hold on to uh, what we can receive today. And, you know, I, I was sharing this morning about how when I'm trying to comfort Elias, you know, we're new parents, so 
um, when he's screaming, it feels like forever. You know, so we're trying to put him to bed, and he's like, he won't go to sleep. And so what we do is, in our, um, you know, in, in our anxiousness, we just kind of, we try, and, we try new strats all the time, new strategies. So we'll move him from the, the right arm to the left arm, then we'll put him over our shoulder, then we'll put him down, then we'll stuff a dummy in his face, then we'll stuff, you know, a breast in his face. We'll do whatever we have to do to try and get him to sleep. We haven't tried the alcohol and the dummy thing yet, but I've heard... <laughs> Heard that works. We'll try whatever we can. But I think that's a reflection of who we are as humans. We're very impatient. And we'll start reinventing or rethinking the way that we're doing things. But God is saying, stay true. Don't give up. I've given you a strategy. I've given you something to anchor your faith to. And it's the story of Jesus, the gospel, death and resurrection. And, and you know what I do is, you know, you can anchor yourself to the word of God. And you know what I anchor myself to when I'm rocking Elias? It feels like an eternity when he's screaming. And so what I do is I put my phone down, I press start on a timer, and I start rocking him. And it feels like an eternity. And I look down at my phone, and it's been two minutes. <laughs> and I keep rocking him, and it's been four minutes. I keep rocking him, and I'm like, okay, this feels like it's been hours, and it's been eight minutes. And what we found is he tends, he's a pretty good baby. He tends to fall asleep within 10 to 15 minutes of you just, just hanging tight being okay in the mess, being okay in the chaos, and sticking with the strategy, and uh, sticking with one of them, you know, whatever one it is, just as long as I'm not moving him around and freaking him out. And so God is calling us to be people who can stay anchored to eternity. Amen? Amen. All right. Where else? So live beyond yourself, anchored to eternity as your reward. Another really cool like story I've heard is uh, I remember reading something online about a church that they, th- there was a church that wanted to, you know, build a new building and they didn't have the resource for the building or the finances for the building. This is like hundreds of years ago. So they were using, you know, timber to build the church. And so what they did is they chose to plant a seed, um, uh, like a tree, and so that way in a hundred years or something, the, the church would have the timber that they need, the wood that they need, the resource they need uh, to build the new church building. Like imagine we lived like that, beyond ourselves. And when you're anchored to something beyond yourself, you're willing to do things you never would usually do. You're willing to give, be generous, you know. You can either be, um, you know, someone anchored in eternity is, is generous, you know, and they're, they're not motivated by greed or gain. And maybe if you're, if you're motivated by eternity, you'll be, um, you'll be willing to just, you know, uh, step out and witness and preach the gospel and do things that would otherwise freak you out because you're already dead. And there's something that you've actually anchored yourself to. So, all right, let's continue on. Matthew 6.19, this is a cool scripture. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on heaven. Uh, treasures, sorry. Go back. Matthew 6.19, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't build your treasure where moth and rust destroys. Um, but build it in heavenly places. I, I was thinking about like cash in your wallet, right? Versus cash in a bank. Cash in your wallet would just... As inflation goes up, your money kind of, you know, loses its value. We're cash in a bank, not with today's interest rates, but we'll generate a little bit of money. Versus maybe, um, you know, cash in an investment. 
You know, you might, whether you're invested in something, some sort of a stock or whatever, it's a bit volatile, but like you can invest in something and make a whole lot of money. Let me tell you something. There's a way better investment. It's called the kingdom investment. It's an investment that won't leave you dry because it's an investment that's anchored to the word of God and an investment that anchors to heaven. The Bible actually says, heaven and earth will pass away. The heaven and earth we know, but my word will never pass away. That's what Jesus says. So what are you anchoring yourself to? There is more. There is more than your mortgage. There is more than finding your perfect other half. There is more than um, finding your dream job. There's actually more. There is the great commission. There is a heavenly reality. There are lost people to be saved and saved people to be pastored and pastored people to be trained and trained people to be mobilized. So there is more. Lol. Getting messages um, from people saying, can you tell people about this stock? Can you tell people about this cryptocurrency? So I'll leave that to the side. Okay. Where can we go? Blah, blah, blah. All right. Let's just let's dive into the story of Stephen, and we'll bring it to a close here. So, Stephen, let me just say this as well before we jump into this. Carrying your cross causes people to consider why. You know? Why is that person carrying their cross like that? Because there is a why. All right? We love because he first loved us. We can give generously because he gave without limit. We endure daily crosses because he endured our sin. And so people, it's, it's like the perfect light. So Stephen here is a man who believed in his heart that there is more. A more that motivated him to live for more than himself and, and give as Christ compelled him to give. Um, he's a man who knew there was more. His treasure was beyond this world and beyond who he could please on earth. And let me say this. When we untether ourselves from this world, we can tether ourselves to the next one. When we do this, we truly shine our light. When we can untether to this world and tether to him. So, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. I'll read from verse 8. And um, here we go. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Then it says, opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria and so on, who began to argue with Stephen. Now, let me say this. When doing the work of the Lord, heaven on earth, expect opposition. Opposition from people, people that persecute you, and even opposition um, from opportunities that may present themselves to you. And so, so, you know, even simply forming new habits can raise opposition, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've, got, if you've seen the um, Bible in One Year app that you can download, and it, it leads you through reading the whole Bible in one year. I'm thinking, my news resolution was like, okay, I just want to read the Bible every single year. And I started off really well this year, and it's like, if you don't hold it for more than, you know, 30 days, it can really crumble. So now I'm just like trying to stay on top of it. But if it's not a habit, it's not a habit. And so there are things that, that, that naturally, um, when you're trying to form a new habit or when you're trying to anchor yourself to a new reality, there will be opposition. And even here, um, Stephen was declaring the kingdom of God, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, and the kingdom of heaven at hand, and he had opposition in this moment. But here's the beautiful thing. It says, but. Everybody say, but. But they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. It's so beautiful because we know that the Spirit of God empowers us to live like this. We don't do it on our, in ourselves, in our own strength, not by power or might, but by His Spirit. And then it says that 
they secretly persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And it says they stirred up the people and the elders and teachers of the law. And then they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. And they produced false witnesses who testified that this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. And they start spinning lies. It shows the manifestation of the evil one. In this moment, it's like he's not even hiding anymore. He's willing to lie to get you off course. He'll do whatever he can to oppose you from uh, bringing heaven on earth and also reaching um, a, a being all that God has called you to be. And so all these accusations are coming against him. And then it says, all who are sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Some translations say it started to glow. What is this? This is a sign um, of Stephen manifesting as he bears his cross, shining as he's being persecuted and, and as he is uncompromised in his character, he shines the brightest. And then he starts to preach and Stephen says, and, and you can look at this and it's a really long passage. This is chapter seven now. It's a long passage and it looks like Stephen might just be trying to delay the inevitable, trying to delay his stoning. But the reality, the reality is, is he, was, he was declaring faith. He was preaching truth. And he starts to preach about all the ancestors that they should know of in, in their history that you know, had faith and were anchored to something more than themselves. And he's preparing himself for what's to come. And he talks about Abraham, who anchored himself to a promise that he didn't even see come true in his own lifetime. Then we see Joseph and the promises that God had given him, and he held true to them even while he was uh, betrayed by his brothers and thrown into jail. Then we see Moses, who held true to the promised land and led people out of Egypt, and he, and he, and he led people um, out of Egypt, and he missed out on seeing the promised land because he let go. But he starts preaching this stuff. And he's talking about all the ancestors that carried their crosses um, and did not compromise their faith. And he's painting this picture and shedding light on this prophetic narrative of people laying down their lives and carrying their crosses and this journey of faith that leads to Christ, the ultimate cross carrier. And, and he, Stephen in this is he's actually preparing himself to bear his own cross. And it says that they were furious, okay? In, um, where are we? Verse 54. We're going to read from verse 54. Here's the thing, right? Stephen had his eyes set toward heaven on Jesus. Stephen knew that there was more. And because of that, he was able to live for more, for eternity. And so there's something we can learn here from the final verses in the story of Stephen, um, what it takes to live for eternity. So let's read it from verse 54. Chapter 7, verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, all this preaching, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Let me tell you something. If you want to live for eternity, you know what it takes? It takes raising your gaze. Lift your eyes to what God is doing. Lift your gaze. And then he says, look, he said, um, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know what else it takes? It takes a people that can prophesy in faith. You start speaking what you see. In the midst of what's going on, you speak what you see. Anchor yourself to what you can see and speak it out. And then this is crazy, right? An opportunity for them to change, open their eyes. The Pharisees open their eyes, change their ways. But this is what happened. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, la, 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 they rushed at him, 
dragged him out of the city to stone him. This is like the ultimate depiction of calloused hearts, rebellious people. And sometimes we're so concerned about arguing and winning arguments with people. But let me remind you that the ultimate form of evangelism is living the gospel. Then when necessary, maybe preach. And we see um, that he is being rejected. So thirdly, I just want to challenge us to expect rejection. That's what it takes to live tethered to eternity. Expect rejection. And so these Pharisees are blocking their ears. And, um, and then we see this ultimate form of evangelism through Stephen, right? We're going to continue reading. Here we go. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul, also known as Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, is watching a man give his life for a cause that he doesn't fully yet understand. And it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. He's uncompromised. This is the last thing. Maintain your gaze. So raise your gaze, but you've got to maintain your gaze. When things come against you, it is so tempting to lower your gaze, to start being distracted by everything else that's going on against you. And you actually can begin to feel entitled and feel like, but what about me? What about what I'm going through? They're receiving their breakthrough. They're receiving their breakthrough. They're receiving their breakthrough. What about me? And I want to remind us, our breakthrough is actually anchored in Him. He is our breakthrough. The fact that we were saved from being eternally separated from God in hell, you know, paying the price for our own sin. We were saved from eternal torment, and we're, we're now we're, we're called into heavenly places with Him. That is good news. That is breakthrough. So maintain your gaze, okay? Um, this, this whole thing, this is the way I, I consider this. And I mean, I, I step in and out of this idea because to live like this will change the way you walk. But um, if you can live like this, it'll change the way you walk. This is like, this life that we're living, this, you know, 80, 90, 100, 120 odd years of life that we get to live is like the prequel to the real thing. This is just a prelog. This is like the um, people that read books. What do they have at the beginning? Like a preface of the book, okay? And we, I mean, we're going to love looking back on this. You know, we're going to have fond memories. We're going to be nostalgic about this time. We're like, remember when we lived on, on earth and we were limited, our, our mortal bodies and all this? Actually, we're probably going to look back and be like, man, we were so not limited and we missed out on all that we could have actually been living. Hopefully not. Hopefully, anyway, getting off track. <laughs> this is, this is... Imagine getting to heaven. Well, we won't have regret in heaven, but just go with me on this. Imagine getting to heaven and thinking, but that, that, that could have been so easy. This is all so real. This is the reality. This is real life. I think about, did I mention about how heaven starts with a 1,000-year party? Did I mention that in this service? Uh, yeah. Imagine like 1,000 years going by. Like most of us, like the average age of this room is probably 40, 50 years old, uh, probably 60. And we... I'm just saying, because we started, like, all the kids are downstairs, so we're probably, anyway, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> what am I doing? I had two coffees, so when I have a second coffee. Um, that's right. We're going to be in heaven, a truer reality than we've ever experienced. We've only lived, like, say, 50 years here on earth. Imagine living a 1,000 years and realizing, 
Heck, we've still got another thousand years. What are we going to do for the next thousand? You got any plans? Let's do something. Then another thousand. Then a million years. Then a billion years. Then a trillion years. That is the real reality. That is the truest form of reality. You know, we know that there is more. That is the morest more you can anchor yourself to. And so if you need something to anchor yourself to, anchor it to the heavenly promise. Anchor it to an eternal reality. And you know what? When you can anchor yourself to an eternal reality, like Stephen, you'll be able to die to self. You'll be able to die to your sin, the lust of the flesh, selfishness, unforgiveness. You'll be able to die to um, all sorts of things that God never called you to live with. And some of us may even be willing to give up our lives. That's the ultimate form of following Jesus. And, and Stephen did it here. And, and Stephen's death was a seed sown. Paul the Apostle was watching, you know, before his whole radical invert, conversion. And the question is, who's watching you? We saw, you know, Sydney is what it is today because of generations of investment. What eternal legacy are you living as you bear your own cross? What are you leaving behind? Because it's about more than the life that we live. So, why don't we stand to our feet? Um, what do we do with this message? I, 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 my heart with this message was just to stir us and motivate us and open up our eyes to an eternal reality. Remember that they're, like, I think because God does want to equip us to be successful and triumphant in this world today, you know, heaven on earth realities. But sometimes we can, we can flip the, the priorities um, in the wrong order. And so I just wanted to remind us that the ultimate form of who we're called to be and what we're waiting for and what our reward is, it's all tied up in heaven. The heaven to come, the eternal reality, there is more. So what can we do about this word? Uh, I just want to challenge us, if we need to, in your own heart, as we worship and as we uh, lift up the King, repent for getting our eyes off the eternal context. Because it's easy to get our eyes off the eternal context. You know, when you're, you're lured, in, lured in with like, you know, the, the lust for money and riches and wealth, you know, or, or lured into, you know, just, just self-gratification. And let's recalibrate with heavenly realities. And I want to challenge you this. Commit to meditate on what, he's, what He has done daily. If you can meditate on who He is, that's why, that's why Psalm says, Blessed is a man who meditates on the law of the Lord. Because if we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we'll be the people He's called us to be. We'll live a life larger than our own. So why don't we pray and welcome His Spirit to do what only He can do. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Son. We thank you for the example that you set. We thank you for the price you paid to, to bring us into freedom. Thank you that we get to start from freedom. We get to start from righteousness. Thank you for your grace. And we pray that by your spirit, you would empower us to live lives greater than ourselves, that we would leave a legacy, that we, we'd be able to give, we'd be willing to give generously. Um, we'd be willing to sow seeds. Um, and we'd be, able, we'd be willing to compromise our pride and, and we'd be willing to forgive. God, I pray that you stir people to forgive in this house that have struggled to forgive for years. God, I, I pray that you would stir people in this house to let go of the old and step into the new. And Father, I pray that you would stir us in boldness to live for the eternal, that we would lay our lives down in, in honour of King Jesus and that we would honour you 
and uh, shine our lights. Father, that we know we will keep our eyes on the fact that in our death there is also resurrection. So stir us, Lord, with boldness, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.